Hello and welcome to episode Patrick Seawoff of the Cosper Pointcast. I'm your host, Colin Cudmore, and while Trevor unfortunately isn't here today to celebrate 50 episodes of the podcast, I'm joined by two fantastic prospect analysts in the final installment of our Draft Debater series. Uh, the NHL Draft is just days away, and if this is your first time listening, we'll be going over four prospects in this episode, uh, and each scout will state their points as to why they ranked them where they did. Uh, then we just go from there. So uh, let's introduce them. Uh, on my left, you can read his work at Dauber Prospects. It's Crazy Joe DeVilla himself. Welcome to the show, Cam Robertson. Cam, how's it going? I'm doing well, Colin. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Thanks. Uh, glad you could join us today. Uh, we'll be going off your 2019 final draft rankings that you released just last week. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Um, so on my right, he's the draft and prospect writer for ESPN. Welcome to the show, Chris Peters. How's it going? It's going great, Colin. Thanks for having me, man. Awesome. Well, really glad both of you could join us today. Uh, Chris, you just released your final top 100 rankings uh, yesterday, so that's the list we'll be going off of for you. Uh, so jumping right in, uh, the first prospect I want to talk about is uh, Vili Hainola. So Hainola's been a riser all year for almost everyone after an impressive year in Finland playing against uh, the top competition with uh, Luko. Uh, he's a left-shot defenseman, which isn't exactly an organizational need for Ottawa, but uh, his talent could possibly uh, warrant their pick at number 19. So um, once again, I have my consolidated rankings in front of me right now, and Hainola is expected to go around picks uh, 16 to 27. That's the range I'm, I'm, I'm kind of working with. So uh, Cam, you have him ranked at the higher end of that range at uh, number 18. And Chris, you have him just just inside the first round at spot number 30, uh, a couple of spots up from your from your, uh, from your May rankings. So uh, let's start with Cam. Uh, so what is it about Hainola that uh, makes him an intriguing prospect? Yeah, um, I've liked Hanola um, even even higher than he landed at 18, um, and that's not really a slight to the way he played in the back half of the season, a little bit more of what some other guys did and just kind of the shuffling out of that kind of next tier of defensemen after Bowen Byram. Uh, for me, he's a very poised, confident player out there. I love the way that he sees the play develop. Um, he's not an elite skater, but he gets around the ice really well, but I, I, I love the way that he can he can use his edges. He skates a little bit like Yurke Lume out there where he's got a wide stance and his legs are spread and he can kind of traverse through the neutral zone and, and at the top of the, the power play with that skating ability. A little bit smaller. Um, I, I actually, one of the things that I really liked about him is that he was better against men than he was playing against uh, his peer group for much of the season. And, and again, at the U22, when he played up on that top pairing for most of it before of an injury uh, with Henry Yuki Harju, and, and he looked great there too. So I think this is a player that has a really nice upside unlikely to be a, a top pairing guy who really impacts the game at a high level offensively. I think he can chip in on both sets of the special teams, probably on your second unit and drive play at, at even strength. Um, I like his stick. Like I said, I, I think he could get a little bit quicker off the mark and get stronger and that should come. Um, he's, he's not overly dynamic, but I think that he's going to continue to improve and he has a very, very safe floor. Um, and he does have a nice ceiling as well too. So, um, the kid's a pro in my mind. He's, he's one of these guys that could arguably step into the NHL for 2020, 21. If, uh, if he decided to go that route or at least come over and play in the American league and kind of be knocking on the door. So he's, his wait time's a little bit shorter despite being, you know, he, he just turned 18 two months ago, I believe. And for Chris, there's very few ranks that have, I know outside the first round and you have him just close to that bubble. So. Uh, is there anything about his game that has you uh, less convinced? Um, well, I think Cam touched on it a little bit, and I, I mean, I, th- I think the the lack of a dynamic skating element uh, at his size is is a bit of a problem for me. Um, you know, I, I think the hockey sense is, is high end. He's he's an incredibly mature player and, and does a lot of things well. Um, but I I I struggle to find out, you know, to see what kind of defenseman he is. I don't view him necessarily as a lock for a top four 
defenseman at this point. I think that there's certainly that's you know the ceiling is is probably a good second pairing guy. Um, you know, if he were a bit of a better skater, I think I'd be a lot higher on him. Um, you know, I think that the fact that he produced well in, in Liga this year is 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 huge. I mean, that 14 points in 34 games is a lot for for a young player like that. Um, you know, was at the World Under 18 Championship and. And I wanted him to dominate there. I wanted him to be, uh, you know, dictating games, and, and the, especially after seeing what he did at the World Juniors and and the way that he managed things there. And and so I, you know, I I, I appreciate Cam's point about you know him him looking better against men. That's absolutely true. Um, but I, I think there's there's some concern there when you do get down to that next level. And and Finland wasn't a great team, so I don't want to put it on all on him, you know, I think that they had some, some flaws as a group. And, and so when I saw him, uh, out in Sweden, it just, you know, it, it was very average and I, and that bothered me. Um, I think that kind of stuck with me towards the end of the season. Um, and, and then, yeah, it's just a matter of, you know, you can be that size and defend in the NHL, no question. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're not going to be stronger, you got to be a really good skater. And I think that, you know, if if he doesn't find that next gear, he's going to have uh, make it a lineup. But that said, I still have him in the first round. Why is that? I think is the hockey sense is is a high end trending close to elite, um, and and he's he's very you know he can make up for a lot of his deficiencies with a high processing speed and also the the ability to uh, make plays pretty comfortably, um, even if they're not necessarily flashy or dynamic. He, he makes effective plays with the puck on his stick. Totally. And the one thing that you kind of alluded to in the middle there is that he's not really the strongest player right now, and that that uh, he really could stand to put on quite a bit more weight. So, uh, question to Cam, do you think he has the potential, uh, or do you think that uh, just the lack of strength right now has the potential to set Hainola back long-term just as a defenseman, or is that a bit less of a concern for you? Yeah, I, I think he'll definitely need to become a little bit stronger, and he'll 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 need to continue to use that that high end hockey sense to get himself into good positions to defend. Because you know he's he's five eleven, he's one hundred and eighty pounds. You'd like to think that he's going to play around one ninety, um, but but he's not going to be able to push guys around too much down low, and so he's going to have to use expert stick work and gap control, um, and those are things that he was developing this year in the Liga, which it, which is great to see as a, a draft eligible as a seventeen year old playing in a top men's league. Um, you know, it, it's my concerns are, are are right there too because I feel like if he had a quicker first couple of steps and his, his high end, uh, his top end gear, I should say, was was maybe a notch above that, that he'd be someone that would be knocking on the door or within that top 12, kind of in that three to 12 range in tier two. Um, and so he slides down a little bit for that regard. But I love a player that can think the game well. And regarding the defensive side of things that I, I, I strongly believe that if you're intelligent and you work hard, that basically anyone can play defense as, as long as they're not five foot seven or five foot six on the back end. So um, I don't think the, the size and the strength is going to be too big a problem for him because he is a worker and he is an intelligent player. Um, you know, like I said, too, is that I, I don't see him as a top pairing guy. I think that if if his development continues to progress nicely, that he he has a legitimate shot of being a top four guy. Maybe he ends up being a complimentary number five on a good team or, or if things don't break completely right. But if you're pulling that out of the late teens or early 20s of a draft, um, I think you'd be satisfied with that, especially if, you know, you, you still might hit the high end of that and you might get yourself a number three guy who can contribute on your second power play and can kill penalties for you. Um, so I I just the intelligence is what sets them apart, and uh, and I love some Finnish defensemen. They they have a great uh, the grassroots system there. They've been churning out a lot of high end intelligent defenders, and and unfortunately he doesn't have the elite skating uh, some of his predecessors. But um, but I think he's going to be a good player. 
Yeah, for sure. And with that intelligence, he definitely uh, uh, used that a lot to help him play against older competition, which is, uh, I mean, the point you guys both brought up. But uh, back to Chris, so um, how, how strongly do you take into account his performance against uh, older players? Like I know it did, uh, just did last season. So uh, does the fact that he uh, played against young men at such a young age, despite this, uh, the skating and the strength issues, do you think that um, could be a sign that he could also play in the NHL later? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fact that, you know, if you can be a, a pro defenseman for as, as much of the season as, as he was um, at, at his age, I mean, that says a lot because it, it's it's really difficult for U18 players, especially defensemen, especially at that size, to compete at that level. Um, I think the game moves a little bit slower. It moves a little bit more, um, you know, you're, you're able to handle that. So I think that there are some some benefits to that, but there's no question that you know playing against men is is uh is 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 not easy. No matter no matter you know even if you're a U20 player, or, uh you know a bit older, it's just it's it, and it's a really good league. So I'm impressed by that. I was also really impressed that you know his minutes went up in the playoffs this year. Like he he played more when you know when his team needed more out of him and that that says a lot about the hockey sense so to me his you know the the size and the strength like that's that's one thing that i i look at for every every player for sure and guys like hanola i feel like can can uh can build that like i'm not gonna you know it's not necessarily a knock on him for the for the the, the size or the strength at this point it's just if that's what it is now, and if it doesn't improve in a significant enough way, then the skating is going to have to be better for him to be effective. So, so that's kind of where you know there there are always limitations with with size, and I, I try not to to look at it as uh, as heavily. Um, but it's just when it's in combination of uh, of a guy like him, where and, and I don't want to make this out like he's a bad skater. I don't think he is. I just don't think that when you're that size, you can you can be anything less than you know a really good skater. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll have to kind of wait and see and and see how much that hockey sense can carry him. Totally. Well, I think it's time we move on to the second prospect. Uh, we'll be looking into the QMJHL. It's uh, Raphael Lavoie, uh, center winger playing for the Halifax Mooseheads. Uh, Lavoie absolutely dominated the Q this year, uh, culminating in a league-leading 20 playoff goals in only 23 playoff games. So there's a decent chance he'll be off the board by Ottawa's uh, first-round pick, but I have his expected range pegged at uh, 15th through 27th. So, uh, Chris, you have him ranked in the higher range of that at number 18. And Cam, you have him outside the first round at 34th. So I will start with Chris this time. If the Sens end up taking Lavoie at pick number 19, uh, what is it about him that makes him a valuable prospect? Well, I think the first thing that, that jumps out is 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 the size. You know, <laughs> I just I just went on how I don't I don't weigh it heavily. I mean, when you're bigger, it just it's just impossible for it not to stand out. But, you know, for him to, to play at his size, I think there's some ruggedness in his game. There's some, you know, there's some grit. And then I think what what really helped his ranking for me at the end of the season um, was the the playoff performance. I mean, you know, watching some of those games on video, uh, I was just kind of blown away by his ability to take over games, take over shifts and just you know, kind of make it his own. And, and that's kind of some of the things that I saw from him earlier in the season. Now the first views I had of him was at it was at Canada's uh, world junior camp this year. And, and, you know, he, he didn't end up making the world junior team, but, but in that camp, I thought he did everything in his, in his power to, to show that he belonged in that conversation. And then, you know, he kind of went through the season. I thought he was okay for a lot of the season. Like, you know, I think at one point I had him, you know, mid twenties on my board. And then, 
um, you know, it's kind of started tr- trending down. And there's also been some, you know, some information out there. Like, I, I think it's always difficult without, you know, without knowing the kid all that well. But just I think there are some teams that have expressed some concern about character and um, work ethic and things of that nature uh, with him as well, which is, I think, uh, part of the reason that things have dipped. But, you know, I think his skating is fine. I think that, you know, the size and strength is is, is great. But then the offensive sense, the touch with the puck, the ability to make quick plays, um, plays in tight spaces, protect, uh, extend plays. Um, and I thought I think he's got, you know, pretty darn good hockey sense. Like, I don't know that it's necessarily high end. It's just it's good enough to, for him to, to kind of do what he he does. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's got the frame. I think he's got a little bit of the swagger as well, which is, which is just kind of a nice little intangible thing. But what we saw in the playoffs this year was, was, a, was a man possessed. I mean, 20 goals in 23 games in the cube playoffs is, is no small thing. And uh, I think he's a guy that, um, you know, I, I just kind of had him in that, in a similar range for much of the year for that, except for that brief spell where I dipped him down. And, uh, you know, I think if, if he were there at 18, I, I feel like, he's kind of similar for uh, similar to what the, uh, what the Sens kind of go for in terms of the style of player. And, and, you know, they've had some success um, in the QMJHL recently. So Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's, he's, he's an interesting guy. I think that there's, there's going to be a wide range of opinions on him for sure. Yeah, for sure. And and at six, four, I mean, it's hard not to stand out in a junior league. So uh, uh, back to camp, uh, back to Cam, you have him way outside the consensus at about 34th, even at 34th. So uh, why the dock points? Are you, are you just less convinced of his offensive skill set or is it uh, a bit more than that? Yeah, I have a couple of red flags with him. Um, so number one, that he, he's one of the elder statesmen for this class. So I, I expected him to put up some real points. Um, and and what we did see in the playoffs was more indicative of what I'd hoped to see from him in the, throughout the entirety of his season as, as a player that was 18 for the for the entire year. Uh, he he looked really nice in the playoffs. He was unleashing that shot, which is very very nice. It's one of the better shots in this class. And and like Chris was saying, at six foot four, he protects protects the puck well. Um, he he has a when he's on his game, when he's at his best, it's when he's really competing hard. Um, he's not an overly consistent hard worker, and I think that may allude to some of the the questions about attitude and and kind of some off ice stuff or, or on ice stuff, I should say, but just some character issues there uh, that may or may not be present. Uh, the the thing that He's an okay skater for a six foot four kid. I don't think it will hinder him that much at the next level. The type of game that he plays, uh, uh, an issue that I have for him is that you know his skill set is it's fairly one dimensional in the sense that I think he. If he gets the puck and he gets himself into a good spot, he has that release. Um, I don't see him using his teammates all that well. Um, he doesn't see the ice all that well, so I don't think he's one of these big men that has really nice, uh, soft hands uh, to set up his teammates. Uh, you know, Zach Cassian was a, a tremendous distributor in junior, and you even flashed that a little bit in the NHL. You know, another power forward, Todd Bertuzzi, just had those silky hands that he could really distribute, and he seemed to have eyes in the back of his head. I don't see that much with Lavoie, even though he was an older and bigger player in the queue, which it which afforded him a lot of space and, and a little bit of extra opportunity. Um, I, I just think that, you know, I, I would love to see some some bigger numbers out of him, some more consistent effort. Um, I think this, like I said, the skating's fine, but I just question whether this is a player that we're going to be looking at as, you know, a second line scoring winger that's going to help out on your power play, or we're looking at a guy that's maybe like a bottom sixer who's not going to be working all that hard. And in, in this day and age, you know, you you want your team to be rolling out three scoring lines. And so maybe he's on an energy line that can chip in offensively. But 
if he's not getting kind of that offensive deployment, getting the nice juice and playing at the front end of the rink, I'm not sure he's going to be busting his bag to, to really defend and check well. And so where does his role stand? Is he going to be a banger? Um, I don't think he's going to be a, a centerman at the next level. He played a lot of wing this year. And I think that I've, I've long projected that would be his spot because he doesn't skate and he doesn't see the ice all that well. Um, so, so for me, all those kind of things come together. I wouldn't have a problem with the team taking him in the first round. I think that the upside there to swing on a unique skill set because power forwards are difficult to kind of assess at this age and they they're hard to come by good ones at the nhl level so at the tail end of that first round if a team wanted to take a swing on him and, and hope by the time he you know is 23 24 that that it breaks right because they do take a little bit longer that that wouldn't be a that wouldn't be too bad for me i don't i don't like him at 18 i've heard you know i've heard teams up as high as 14 15 and i've seen that on some public lists as well i, I think that's a definite reach uh, in my mind but you know, we, we all see different things. And for me, the, the top two things that I look for are, you know, can you skate and can you process the game at a high speed? And and for those that I, I just kind of give him average marks and then the rest of the skill set doesn't bring him up enough to be a, a dead set first rounder. Yeah. And it's just tossing a, a, back a couple of those points to Chris. So um, why do you, do you think he'll be able to um, overcome that one dimensional style or, or do you think he'll be able to uh, branch that out? And also, I guess, uh, talking about uh, the the cutoff date September fifteenth. He was born just ten days after the cutoff. Um, does that factor into your rank, rankings at all too with uh, Nevoa? Oh sure, yeah. I think you have to consider age and the fact that you know he should have been, you know, should should have done better. I think over the course of the season, um, you know, I I just think that when when I, every time I've seen him, you know, if it's if it's been live, you know, video watching the at least watching the. Uh, Watching the the playoffs, I I saw you know he he obviously popped, but I mean I just I feel like there have been to answer your first question I guess is is that yes I do think that he can he can find that game I think some of it comes with maturity some of it comes with just you know instruction um, you know he's been such a, a you know an offense first kind of guy um, there's there's always a chance that you can kind of develop that. But I think there are teams, you know, you, you have to find the right spot to do that. So I completely understand that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that the game made a lot of really good points in terms of, uh, of, you know, the deficiencies that he has. I, I don't, you know, I don't feel like his hockey sense is, is um, you know, I think it's fine. I think that he, he, he can make plays and, and, you know, I think the vision certainly needs to, to be better. I also agree that I see him more as a wing um, than I do a center. I just, I think that there's, there's more that he can do on the wing and be more effective. Um, that certainly impacts value as well. Uh, I think the biggest thing for me is, is just, you know, the, having seen him over the last two years, I think he's a better player now than he was when I saw him last year in, in, in significant ways. I, I think that he's, you know, he showed that he can be the guy um, as well, which, which he was this year. And, and yeah, I, I just think that there's so many kind of little things that he's going to be able to bring to a lot of different teams at the size that he plays. And I think there's a chance that he can be more of a power guy, but yeah, I mean, work ethic is always one of those things where, you know, you can't, you can't necessarily teach it. I think, you know, it comes with maturity. Uh, it comes with, you know, kind of a, a realization as well, a player, a player that has to be a little self-aware. And, and I think that, you know, I saw enough improvement in those those aspects over the course of the season and into the playoffs, and and watching him take charge and really be more of a leader and in, in, in a in a lot of different ways. Uh, that's that's why I ended up, you know, feeling like he was he was pretty close to where I had him at the beginning of the season as well. Yeah, for sure. And, and the last point I want to bring up about Lavoie, uh, you guys kind of both touched on this, but it was his playoff performance, just incredible playoffs, twenty goals in twenty three games. Um, so for Cam, do, how, do you balance? The playoffs, when you're balancing the regular season and the playoffs, does the playoff 
um, factor in any more than the regular season or any less? Or, or how do you kind of balance that? Yeah, so uh, it, it definitely you want to see a player step up into the in the postseason, and so that's when the games are getting tighter. Um, that's that's when you know when they get up into the bigs. That's where they really earn their paycheck when they're not actually making a paycheck. And, and so I, I do value that, and and it's it's almost like a a larger sample than these international tournaments. And so it's it's a little bit different. You have to look at it a little bit differently when when these kids are playing against their peers in a short tournament and they're thrown together. And and you know you try to take the good with the bad and and you don't weigh too much. But it is an opportunity to see them against the best of their age group. And in this situation in the in the CHL playoffs is that you know they're not against their best competition at their age level. They're playing against guys older than them. And and as they work through that, you know Halifax was obviously a very strong team. And you know he did a lot of his damage. Um, through April uh, against you know Quebec and and Moncton and and so there's some teams there that he he got to dominate a little bit too and and so Drummondville and so once once he got through and and played a little bit at the Memorial Cup I thought his game slowed down a little bit as the competition ramped up as well uh, but no I definitely put more stock into a playoff performance and I did like what I saw from him especially early on in the playoffs where he was you know he was using his size and his speed and he was coming down the wing and he was unleashing that great shot and that's what you want to see that's the type of game I want to see from him I want to see him digging in the corners and kind of flying in there on the forecheck and and to do that on the wing and if he could do that consistently then that's what I that's what I was saying is that when he flashes that upside is is that that upside there is what I would be okay with a team taking him in the first round probably not in the teens for me but to take a, a swing on that upside and him finding that consistency and finding that work ethic um, and and so you you, you want to see a player finish their year on a high note and he did that yeah awesome so I think it's time we should move on to uh, the second half and these are, are more prospects that I think the Sun should target with either their second uh, either of their second round picks they have, they have two this year. Uh, the first of those I want to talk about, uh, going back to defensemen, is uh, Vladislav Kolyachinok. He's from uh, Belarus, and while the Sens don't normally trot into that territory for scouting, he um, he gained some more viewings this year by playing for the Flint Firebirds in the OHL. Uh, he's a left shot. Again, not what Ottawa needs, but I think it's still uh, worth talking about. I have him pegged around between picks 30 and 75, which is a pretty wide range considering, but it's mostly just because the pick values become so uh, close past the first round. So... Uh, Cam, you have him ever so slightly higher at 29th, and Chris, you have him at 45th, which is uh, right around the average. So uh, starting with Cam, what is it about Koyachinok that you think warrants him a first-round pick? Yeah, so this is a kid that I've had on my list to, to see more viewings on for a long time, and and when I released my April rankings, I, I don't remember exactly where I had him, but it was it was well into the second round anyways, just purely because I hadn't seen him enough to get a real gauge on, on what type of player he was, and so I spent, I always do is that, you know, from April to the end of June is I spend the, the time going back through a ton of game footage and, and going through notes and talking with other scouts and, and trying to guide my way through that process and really determine a few of these guys that I haven't seen a ton or maybe I don't have a full grasp on it and he was definitely one of these guys and and for me the real standout moment was uh was when he was playing with belarus at the u18s and he was he was a standout performer there and i really i think that opened up a lot of eyes to what he could do with uh, a more offensive room to operate i should say so i think that he's a player that you know he he makes often makes the the right move in uh in the ohl and, and playing in flint is a difficult situation too that's a that's a bad team i don't have it right in front of me but i think they won you know 15 or 16 games all season long and so that that's difficult to show up every night and so i think that you know he's a work in progress i think he skates really well i, I think his skating has improved throughout the season too going back and watching some film from him early on um his his hockey sense is is okay i'd say i 
I'd like to see him maybe a little more creativity, maybe see the ice a little bit better so that you can project him to have maybe second power play upside. But I think he's one of these guys that will do well at even strength. And I think he could be a a penalty killer for you. And just a guy that likely projects safely as being an NHL player. And that, you know, that floor right there is, is something that at the tail end of the first round is nice, especially on the blue line. And then, you know, maybe he turns out to be a number five on a team that can chew up 18, 19 minutes. And I think that there's value there. Um, He looked he looked better on the big ice often, so I, I'd like to see him kind of refine that a little bit. It sucks that he's going back to Flint, though, because they're not getting a ton of help, and it's it's going to be another difficult situation. Um, I heard from some other scouts that he was uh, he, he performed really well at the Combine in the interviews, too, so he's, he's got a good head on his shoulders, and they, they really liked what he had to say. So there's a number of things that I like about this player. I don't think that he's, he's going to wow you very much. Uh, he, he's going to play a quiet game. Um, I, I think that I'd like to see him play with maybe a little more urgency defensively and offensively to really take charge of situations where, where he can be the guy that can jump up and lead the rush or or he can step up at the line and, and really kind of shut off that zone entry from oncoming forwards, things like that. So um, I think he's a good transitional player. He moves the puck well. I, I just I like a lot of things about him and maybe I don't love any one thing, but he's, he's a, a vanilla type of defender that I, I like right around the tail end of that first round or early second round that you can safely project to get a to get a player in your system yeah and for chris is is uh is your read on koyachinok any different um no it's pretty similar i mean i think that as far as his skating goes i think he's he's a he's an excellent skater i think that he's uh that that's a standout trait for me um you know he's he's one of these guys that you know he's he's still kind of figuring it out figuring out how to how to to use his his body um and and i think that junior hockey has been good for him uh you know i was talking to scouts who who you know track the ohl almost exclusively and you know the the problem was they they watched him a lot but it's, you know the firebirds just never had the puck i mean you know, they were constantly defending um and the fact that he put up the points that he did this year actually is pretty impressive to me um I agree with Cam too about going going to the World Under 18s and being you know a, a key player for for Belarus um, was huge. He he was he was outstanding in that tournament. He he managed you know top teams well. Uh, the team was better when he was on the ice, and that's that's very important. It was a good last impression. I think my ranking of him is is one of just being risk averse. I think there's still so much that we don't know about his game. Um, aside from the physical tools that he does have, I think that Cam's also, I, I agree about the hockey sense. I think that that is okay. It And, and really it's hard for us to know for sure. Cause in the games where I saw he was just con- you know, constantly ha- having to, you know, backtrack, get, you know, recover guarding against transition. And, and it's just, it's, it's an impossible situation. Now I think that Flint will be better next year. They they should have a few guys back. They had a you know good draft pick. I think Brennan Offman is going to be their you know their new key player going in there. Who knows what's going to happen. But um for for him for for just the skating, the hockey the you know the the improved hockey sense, I think that what he showed at at the U eighteens, the ability to process the game, some good offensive capabilities that need refining um i think he's just kind of one of those guys that you know you love all the tools in terms of the physical tools and 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 the package that's there it's just that you know i didn't feel comfortable enough with what i had seen in terms of you know his his ability to uh you know to to play (laughs) play in a situation where where you know what does it look like when his team actually does have the puck so um i think it's just a matter of 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 being careful and cautious even though I like uh, like the tools and and I heard the same things that you know he's 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 a good character guy and 
Um, it's kind of kind of tough for him too because he started the season with London and they needed to shed one of their uh, shed one of their import picks, and unfortunately that meant he had to go to Flint. And uh, uh, I, I wonder what things would have looked like for him had he played for London this year. Yeah, totally. So, so I want to broaden up the discussion a bit, just uh, uh, because obviously, obviously, the big factor with Kolyachinov was his per- poor surroundings in Flint. So, I compare that to say like the U.S. national UAT team or something like that. And there's there's a lot of adjustments that need to be made. So, uh, starting with Cam, in in your viewings and overall analysis, what type of of mental adjustments do you need to make when uh, comparing these these different types of teams? Oh gosh, yeah, uh, a great deal for sure. Because quality of competition, quality of teammates, it plays a it plays a huge role. And like Chris says, is that you know Kolyachanik was spending most of his time trying to recover the puck, and, and he did a very a very good job of that. And and so it, it is difficult when your team doesn't have the puck uh, for the vast majority of the time. And then conversely, you know, trying to scout these O one uh, American kids that have been playing at the program the last two seasons is that you know they they've just tear through ushl competition and so you you have to take a a bunch of those games with a a large grain of salt and so you know you really key in on the international games especially in the medal rounds when they're playing against high quality competition you really key in on the ncaa games that they play I, i i love to go through those numbers and see how these kids uh, produced against you know players that are upwards of 23 years old and they're bigger and they're stronger and uh, you know those are difficult situations for 17 year olds and, and 18 year olds to go into and and the ones that can su- succeed there and and to to use their quickness and to use uh, their processing of, of the game and, and each little decision and so that's where I really look at it um, you know obviously the gaudy point totals are nice to see with Hughes and Caulfield scoring 72 goals and things like that and you know those guys earned that you could you could put another player in that position and they they likely wouldn't do the same thing but at the same time you have to you have to take it with a grain of salt as I'm saying and and the same thing goes on the on the opposite side with these terrible teams um, and you know there's one in every CHL league uh, and it's just it's really difficult you have to try to find areas where you know their their teams down a goal and they're they're playing hard and, and you're watching what what do these guys do and you know what you can glean a lot of information from a team when they're down two or three goals too but it's really tough on a team that's always down two or three goals because it's it's you know we're all human it's difficult not to let that kind of creep in and to become frustrated and to see the play just always coming at you in waves and, and so you know that's why I really enjoyed watching him playing for Belarus which was a team that shouldn't have been doing very well at the U18s and he was their leader and they were doing well and they looked good out there and you know he didn't contribute a ton offensively but I thought he was using his feet and he was using his mind and he was creating chances anyways and he was dictating dictating the pace of play and so um, you, you look for those moments on for players that are stuck on these teams and I was going to mention the same thing that Chris did that you know what would we be talking about if he played in London uh, because he would have been uh, obviously getting prime offensive minutes but he would have been you know getting secondary offensive minutes and and then just having the puck and, and driving possession in the positive way for the entire season it probably would have been a lot more positive year for him mentally and and I think that on draft boards he probably would have been a little bit higher up too anything you want to add for that Chris yeah you know I mean I think I think it just comes down to you know, you, you have to watch the individual and, and you, you, you can pick things out of, of, of the game, regardless of, of who they're playing um, and, and who they're playing with. It's, it's, it's hugely important to understand the context of that. But it, when, when you're, you know, when you're focusing in on a single player, um, you can see the different ways and the different things in his game. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting watching this, this, this U.S. team, and particularly watching them last year as U-17s and how they, you know, the fact that they they tore through the USHL as U-17s, which is unprecedented. I mean, it's never happened. That team, the U.S. team, had never made the USHL playoffs until last year. Um, and, and that's one of the things where I wanted to see the progression, you know, because of how good that team was, and we knew it then, I spent 
several several times going and watching them last year as well because and, and watching them play against the USHL and, and playing pretty well and and so that that helps provide extra context how how did they do as a, as U17s how did they do the following year and it's it's always great when you can go back and look at you know two two years and see the progression you can't do that with every guy. It's unfortunate, you know. I mean, we're and and especially guys like me and Cam, we're we're limited with our with with the amount of resources that we're going to be able to use to kind of see those guys. We do the best we can, uh, but I think that's another way, kind of around uh, the competition. You know, for me, you know, I'm watching prep prep school kids and and high school kids, and at that point, you're just looking more at the physical tools, the the you know the how the player actually physically handles the puck, not necessarily who he dangles, but you know the routes that he's taking, the the gaps that he's exploiting, and um, you know it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting uh, to see kind of uh, where some of these the high school and prep guys are. But yeah, there are just so many different ways that you have to you know, try to look at the whole picture and it just really comes down to, you know, watching and, and, and feeling, you know, you're, you're going to see the guys that do it well, you know, that you might not see every facet of their game, depending on, you know, who they're playing or who they're playing with. Um, but that's why it's just so important to, to see as much as you can and to do as much homework as you can, because, um, it's, it's the only way to really kind of, uh, even the playing field for these guys that are they're playing such disparate uh, levels of hockey. Excellent. Well, there's one last player I think you two should debate, and this was the most disagreed player between you two among uh, <laughs> players that will be available in the Sens range, and that player is Alex Vlasic. He was part of the Stacks U.S. National Under-18 team, team that we just talked about. Uh, he played left defense, um, and he's committed to play at Boston University starting in 2020. He's also one of the tallest players available in the draft, just standing under six foot six. so Let's get to the rankings. I have his expected range pegged between 29 and 66 in my consolidated rankings, and both of your rankings are outside of that. So, uh, Chris, you're very high on Vlasic at number 26, and uh, Cam, your ranking is significantly further down at number 107. So, let's start with Chris. Um, what are some factors that you see in Alex Vlasic that makes him a first-round pick? Oh, there's there's a lot. I mean, I you know, I think... The, the first the first knock on him we'll get we'll start there is is the lack of production and I think that that's a totally fair um, complaint about his game I don't think that he's he's going to dictate things offensively um, however I, I think he is one of the safer projections as a top four defenseman um, because I do see it I do see in his game um, elements and and kind of the pieces there to become a, a better offensive player now it's hard for guys that don't produce here to, to produce at the next level however i do think it is a little bit different for the guys at the national team development program and specifically for vlasic where there was there was power play time at times but he wasn't always out there you know so that that impacts the numbers um you know he he was the team's best defender him and probably him and drew hellison were their two best pure defenders. And so that was more his role. And it's very similar to Keandre Miller with last year's under 18 team. He was more of a, you know, a defender. He'd also only just been recently playing defense. And so he didn't have great numbers. Then he goes to Wisconsin and he's their leading scorer throughout most of the season until he got injured. And it's just a matter of sometimes it is environment. Um, you know, I think the other thing with Vlasic is this, when you play at that size, when you have that 
you know, advantage. What else do you bring to the table? I think his footwork is fantastic. He's an incredible defender. Uh, very difficult to get around. He's got physicality. He can play with some nastiness. And this is another guy where, you know, you start seeing the kind of the building blocks in that U-17 year. I was at a few games where he was making plays up the ice. And and I think this year things were such that he didn't really have to because Cole Caulfield and, and Jack Hughes and I, you just give those guys the puck and don't don't worry about the rest. I think when he gets to Boston University, he's going to play on the power play there at some point. I think that he's going to have opportunities. And and the other thing that he does extremely well is he gets the puck out of the zone. He's able to retrieve it. He's able to to absorb four checks. And then he can get the puck out of the zone. His vision and hockey sense are are good in that regard. He's got a good first pass. Um, And I think that there is uh, just so many tools there that he's continuing to build on. And he's not even close to where he's going to be. He's a tremendous athlete on top of being a really good hockey player, just in terms of, you know, the, the strength that he has, the athleticism, the, the mobility, Um, you know, so, yeah, so I completely understand, you know, that, that he's a guy that, that I think there's a lot of varying opinions on in terms of, of what he can be. Um, you know, it's, and, and also if, if you talk to their head coach too, John Robleski at, at the national team development program, I mean, you know, he, he tends to, he can put the hard sell on a lot of these guys. I think Vlasic has been one of the guys that he has been one of the most passionate advocates for because he understands the role that Alex had to play this year versus, you know, what his potential very well could be. Um, so I think that he's, you know, I think that the numbers are a little bit of smoke is a little bit kind of, uh, uh, not necessarily indicative of what, his upside is offensively, uh, but certainly the value that he brings is is defense first, the size, and, and the ability to to play with literally uh, anybody. And so I, I think he's uh, he's a special player. But I am uh, I am I cannot wait to hear what Cam has to say about <laughs> about Vlasic and why he he uh, hates him. He hates him. <laughs> I'll let you state your keys, Cam, on this. What, what bumps him down? In, what bumps him down into your fourth round? <laughs> Well, obviously he slighted me personally, so I have a vendetta <laughs> against him. I hate this kid. Uh, <laughs> no, of course not. And you know what? I, there's there's several things that Chris said there that I agree with. You know, for his size, he skates very well. He is an athlete. He is strong. Um, he has those physical tools and and the athleticism that I get that some scouts see him and they project or they hope to see or or they they're betting on that in five years, we're going to be looking at a completely different player here. And, and so Chris mentioned Condre Miller and, and you know, I think that obviously situation and the size factor and, you know, the position that they play are all similarities, but you know, I loved Condre Miller because of the way that I just, I saw so much more potential with him in his vision and the way that he could move the puck and transition the puck. And, and I just saw a lot more to give offensively um, with Vlasic. He is just wildly inconsistent for me. So, you know, I I've seen him where he does have strong defensive games or defensive shifts and moments out there. And then other times he is, you know, completely caught flat footed. You know, he's got terrible gap control. You know, his stick is, is in the wrong position and it's a long stick and a long reach. Um, he, he, uh, for the amount of times I watched the, these kids, he's one. So it, upwards of 30 times and not every game I'm obviously focusing in on him, but you know, it's, it's hard to not see the whole play develop when you're watching these games is that, you know, I don't think he moves the puck very well. I don't think he sees the ice very well. Um, I, 
I think that that best case scenario is that his his trajectory goes way up and he becomes kind of a bottom pairing guy that can skate the puck and and maybe he can learn to use that physicality a little bit more because he will be a bit nasty, often more with a cross check um, that'll lead him into a little bit of trouble than using his body physically and stepping up into the corners or uh, into open ice. Um, I'd love to see it if he became a lot more assertive with his physicality in a, in a proper way. Um, I think the kid's got, you know, Logan Stanley written all over him a little bit where he's, he's going to go a lot earlier than, than I think he should. And, and that the team who takes him is going to have some regrets. Uh, I, I just, you know, I've, I've spoken to several NHL scouts that have him on their do not draft list that they just do not see enough out of him as, as having even a chance in the fifth or sixth round that, that you take a swing on him. And, and, you know, for me, I personally don't think it's, it's that aggressive. Um, I think that once you're into that, you know, fourth round is that you take a swing on a kid because he is a, a big, strong, athletic player and that you can work with that. You can try to mold that and, and, and bring yourself into a serviceable NHL. And similar to, to Lebois is that, you know, he's unique. And if everything came together, you could have a unique player that that could impact the game in, in a lot of ways that not many teams have. I, I just my money is is on that not coming to fruition. We don't see many, many six foot six defensemen really thrive in the NHL. And the ones that do, I think, think the game really, really well. And and that's not his skill set. Um, and, and he's not overly nasty. He's not going to be someone who's going to be physically intimidating at this point. Like I said, I hope that that would be a part of his game that, you know, moves with him as he goes up to the NCAA and, and transitions upwards. And so just for me is that I, uh, you know, there is a part of me at some points in the season where I watched him and I, and I saw, you know, kind of these same mistakes over and over again that I, I questioned putting him, you know, do I even put him on my list? And, and you know, he flashed enough enough in certain situations to, to keep him out of that range. But um, but yeah, for me, he's, uh, you know, other other than what he said about my mom there that, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't like a lot of what I see on the ice. Man. Wow. That's gosh. I yeah, I I couldn't disagree more, but go for it <laughs> i love it so. chris we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to just keep this rolling all week here in vancouver too. i know we're, yeah you're, you're, this is gonna be a fun debate <laughs> yeah, so, so, so totally so for chris talking about projections for a second do you see him as more of a, a low ceiling high floor type of guy or like what do, you, what do you think he would need to improve to be able to get to an nhl level yeah, well, I, I think I, I think there there's certainly consistency has to be there. I mean, there's Cam's exactly right on 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 the fact that he, he was inconsistent at times this year. Um, I, I just think that the, the the things that he he does well um, still still translate especially well. I think the skating is important that, you know, the Logan Stanley thing like Logan Stanley can't skate. I mean, you know, that that's 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 one thing he's 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 got some interesting tools, but you know, he, he does not get up and down the ice really well. Alex Flashick doesn't, you know, he's, he's, he skates really well. He's got good, good footwork. And, and I, I think what, probably the thing that I disagree the most on is on the vision. I, I just see, you know, it's not necessarily the, the, the stretch passes and the things of that nature. It's just more of, you know, his, his ability to spot the play and, and to make, make good reads and just get it out there. And I, and I think that, you know, defend defensively. You know, getting gap control, making sure that he's you know got the the the, the step back and and making sure that he's not getting beat wide. Um, that's that's the thing where he just needs to continue to to kind of just work on that and just working on the turn and everything else. Because I, I didn't see him get you know absolutely uh, demolished as much as uh, you know that I that you might think a guy like uh, like that does. But but yeah, I, I think really for for him. Um, you know, the, and also the, I think another thing that Cam, I agree with is, is the, uh, 
you know, making sure that you're, you're being smart, physical, not just physical, physical, um, and, and making sure that you're using all the tools that you have, as opposed to, uh, trying to, you know, put a guy through the boards with a, with a cross check or, or getting a little careless with your stick. I think that he's, you know, strong enough to just win those battles. But, you know, I think there, the, the thing that has to, you know, improve the most is just making sure that, he he understands and, and can process the game better offensively, and I, and I still think that I see uh, evidence of that. He's got a really good shot too. Unfortunately, he doesn't use it very much, and um, I think he's got a quick release. It's heavy, um, gets on goalies. Uh, you know, I've seen him score some actual uh, goals off the rush as well. Um, so that's kind of an interesting. Uh, you know, that I think that was more in his U seventeen season, but still. Uh, there, those things are there. I think that once he goes to Boston University, plays you know big minutes, they're they're going to need him to be uh, you know an instant impact player. You know they lost some guys from their blue line, and and he's going to play a pretty big role. But yeah, I mean I I do think that uh, the hockey sense is is not a concern for me, and uh, you know it's just a matter of execution and, and getting those down. And and uh, once he gets there, I I think he'll be fine. But yeah, I mean he's one of those guys that that I've I've pretty much had in the first round all year. Um, some of that based off of what I saw last year. And then I thought that, you know, there were areas of his game that I didn't like last year that, that I thought he cleaned up quite, quite well this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's certainly an element of risk at any time you're taking a guy that, you know, doesn't necessarily have the numbers, but uh, I, I just believe that there's, there's a lot more to him than what he showed this year. Yeah. And I guess same question to Cam, what do you think is the biggest things that he needs to improve on? If, if you think he's going to, uh, if, if he thinks he's going to reach the NHL level. Yeah, for me, it, it's it's being able to move the puck quickly and efficiently out of his own end. Um, he, you know, he was. I'm looking at his Wowie chart right now, and and he was a drag on on basically every uh, every skater that he played with. So you know, we mentioned that uh, Drew Hellison was. Those two were were kind of the the top shutdown pair, and you know, Hellison without him had a about a 40 percent uh, higher uh, expected goals for percentage. Uh, the the rare time that he was on the ice with Jack Hughes and Cole Caulfield, which was let's see here, his sixth and seventh most common uh, skaters on the ice that. You know, they were operating almost 40% higher uh, goals for percentage without him on the ice. And so when he was out there, they were, they were not being able to move the puck up the ice in a proper way and, and get those offensive opportunities. And so for me, it's it's can he move the puck? And, uh, and if he can't, can he skate the puck? And, and I think that he can skate and I think he's, he's a big enough athlete and, and he's got that those raw athletic powerful tools that if he can come together and really harness them and and, and kind of forget the processing for me and just make the simple plays and skate the puck when he has an opportunity and it's wide open and to stay back and, and to use that physicality in an appropriate way and consistently that you know he could be and he could be an NHLer for sure and and that you know if if he could figure things out a little bit better consistently. I, the reading the play is the big thing for me is, is so I, I just see him misreading plays as the oncoming forwards are coming in and then misreading them as he's trying to get the puck out of the zone so often. And for me that it's very difficult for players to learn that skill. And so for a big guy, um, it, you give them a little bit more time, you afford them a little more leash for, in that regard. And so I, I, I I'm rooting for him. So I, I, you know, I, when I have some of these guys down my board every year, it doesn't mean that I want to see them fail so that I can and give myself a little back pat and, and say, I was right <laughs> that you, you want to see these kids thrive. You want to see everybody do well. 
Um, and so yeah, I, I'd love to see him go to, to BU there and, and to take a nice step forward. And, and like uh, Chris said, you, you know, maybe see some power play opportunity, maybe use that big shot because he does have a big shot. And as he should, he's, you know, he's a physical specimen. He can hammer the puck. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see a lot more next season. I think it'll be a lot more indicative of what kind of player he is. And we're going to look at in the next two seasons at BU and that if he's not taking kind of major strides, the, the likelihood of him becoming a real impact in NHL are going to continue to slide. Awesome. Anything else you want to add to that, Chris? I, I did want to, I, I kind of want some clarification from Cam just on the, the Wowie charts as well. I mean, like, you know, the, the interesting thing about that, that U18 decor is kind of how it was organized, where you had, you know, Cam York, elite puck mover, uh, Marshall Warren, decent puck mover, but, you know, offensive, Dominic Fensori, more offensive, um, you know, Case McCarthy kind of somewhere in between Henry Theron, you know, a good puck mover as well. So I just kind of, you know, it seems like style of play would have impacted that pretty significantly. And I, I just, I'm, I'm, in, I'm fascinated to, to kind of know more about that because, you know, I, I don't think uh, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I wonder if there are some limitations in terms of the, what the numbers are saying there. Um, not that I disagree with them. It's just like, it's, it's manually tracked, track stuff but i'm i'm kind of fascinated by uh you know how big of a drag he was and and you know kind of where that all comes from mm-hmm. yeah um so these are proprietary stuff off jeremy davis here at next gen hockey and uh it's just it's it's indicating the the players and, and the size of the bubble obviously represents the the total shared events that they have at five on five so this is even strength obviously and and you know they didn't play a ton of he didn't get a ton of power play time so that's not surprising and so uh you know looking at him and hillson is that you know together uh, they were playing at, uh, you know, about a 50% of, of their, their goals, their five on five on ice goals with and without teammates here is that their, their percentage was Helsons was around 30% higher, 25% higher without Vlasic on the ice. And then we'll move down to come some of these more dynamic offensive players is that, you know, Hughes is operating at, you know, 85% and around 35% when Vlasic's on the ice and Caulfield's about the same. And so, um, it's just, these are, these aren't going to give you the whole picture. They're just going to show you that when those guys are on the ice together, that he's not impacting them in a positive way offensively. And so you're absolutely right that the deployment is going to play a major role in that, especially with him and Hillson. And so, you know, maybe Hillson was on the ice without Vlasic and he was in better situations. Maybe he was out there with Hughes and Caulfield and and not with Vlasic and, and together they, they produced some offense and that kind of sprung him up the board a little bit because he didn't play with them a ton. And so without having a whole picture here in front of me, you just take these as little microcosms of indications and, and they kind of just reinforce a little bit what I see on the ice where, where I see him struggle to move the puck up the ice and, and create that and you know we, we see it in the NHL all the time is that if you don't have a defense core that can get the puck up to your forwards you can have the, the best forwards in the world is that they're going to be struggling to create consistent chances fair enough no that's good I mean I think that's it's interesting to hear uh, it was that significant but yeah I think that's uh, that'll be uh, that'll be a, certainly a point of discussion awesome well before we wrap up the draft debater series uh, I think it's a great place to leave it um, but just one last question I want to ask both of you guys um who are some late round players that you think could be like just complete steal at the draft? So every scout has a couple players that they just really like. Uh, so now's the time to air them into the world. Uh, Cam, do you want to start with this one? Yeah, kid, I've been trumpeting now for a little while now. Is Alex Campbell? Um, I, I've been I was fortunate enough to see him uh, several times out in Victoria here, and and I love the way this guy sees the ice. I think he's a nice skater. He's slippery. He's elusive. He's got nice puck skills. I think his shot is is accurate, and he gets it off quick without having to drop his hand and really kind of showcase that he's going to shoot the puck uh, with improved strength, which he'll need a lot of. Um, that that should only improve as well. 
Um, he, his head is always up. He's he's one of the slightest players in the crop, and, and he has to play that way because he has to see what you know what's coming to, to run him over a little bit and too. So I think he's a project player. He's going to play uh, from from my understanding. He's going to move from the BCHL over to the USHL next season to not go to college. Uh, he'll go to Clarkson the year after that. And so he's one of these guys that you might be waiting three four years to even get him under contract, but. He, he really reminds me of Alex Kerfoot a little bit where you, you take the long road with him. But when he does step into the NHL at 22, 23, even that you're going to have yourself a, a really nice serviceable top nine player that, that can, you know, maybe chip in with 20 goals and, and 25 assists sort of thing. And so this is a player that a lot of boards have him, you know, outside of their top 100. And, and I, I firmly like him in the second round because I think his upside is nice. And and so many occasions when I when I tuned in to watch the Grizz uh, to watch Newhook is that I, I became, you know, infatuated with Campbell and, and they were lying mates for much of the season and and many nights he was the one that was driving play especially in the playoffs i really liked what i saw from him in the, in the bchl playoffs and and he stepped up his game when the games got tighter and it, it is always a little more challenging to to kind of rank these players and to assess them when they're playing tier two hockey and and they are you know some of the better guys in the in the group and but i think he's shown enough that uh, that i really like his upside and he's one of these guys that i'm a lot higher on than uh, than most people awesome and and for chris any late round prospects that you want to shout out yeah, you know, I think one of the guys that I have that uh, I've, I've liked a lot this year and, and is Mark Delgaizo, who who didn't make my top 100, but he's a guy I think could go even later than that. And, you know, played at UMass this year. He's actually Kale McCarr's defensive partner, um, you know, and so you have to kind of take his uh, his numbers and it, with a grain of salt, I would say, you know, but he had incredibly impressive numbers for a freshman defenseman. He's a second year eligible, was the USHL defenseman of the year last year. The things that, that I like about him, you know, he's not a big guy, but he's he's got some good offensive tools, moves the puck pretty well, really good shots, uh, played in a lot of key situations. But, you know, for not being a big guy, he is uh, remarkably quick at closing on, on opposing forwards. He keeps a phenomenal gap. I think that you know, he, he know, knew when, you know, if, if Kale McCarr was going up, it was going to be on him to uh, to make sure to be there and, and be be a good in recovery. I think, you know, the, the skating is something that's going to need to improve for him to have success. It's, it's sort of one of the big reasons that he wasn't in the, my top 100. Uh, but he's one of those guys where if you get him, especially late, I think there's a lot of value there. There's a lot of potential. He's going to be a leader for UMass for the next two to three years um, and, and could be a guy that, you know, comes in very well prepared to uh, play a, a depth role in your lineup. Is he going to be a, a top end guy for you? Probably not. But if you can find a, an everyday defenseman uh, beyond 100 in the draft, then you're in pretty good shape. So he, he's one of those those uh, uh, deeper sleepers that that has kind of uh, you know some some notable flaws, but there's a lot to, to be mined from there. And I, I think that uh, you know he's he's going to be one of those guys that uh, that just kind of continues to blossom in a key situation. He's getting fantastic coaching at UMass with Greg Carvel as well. Excellent. So uh, the listeners need to know where to find your work. So if there's anything you want to plug, uh, now's the time. Uh, Chris, you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ESPN.com. And uh, yeah, we'll have lots of live draft coverage. So it should be a, uh, should be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So ESPN.com and then on Twitter at Chris M Peters, uh, have a lot of stuff during the draft and uh, yeah. So it's uh yeah, and I would also say quickly too is that you know make sure you if you're if you're following the NHL draft read as much as you can and as many different people as you can because we all have different opinions as you now know and yeah but it's great but I, I have a lot of respect for the work that that everybody in this space does because everybody does uh, 
work incredibly hard. So uh, seek it all out. But yes, ESPN.com first and then everything else after that. Awesome. And Cam, where can we find your work? Yeah, yeah, Chris. Uh, Chris said it well. There is that you, you do. You want to you want to read a ton of people's work because he's right. You know, we could be sitting there watching the same game and come away with totally different opinions on some things. So, uh, you can uh, you can catch my work at uh, Dauber Prospects. My my final complete list is coming out first thing uh, tomorrow morning, Wednesday morning. Uh, so you can check it out there. Um, you know, I've got tons of rankings and stuff at the the our fantasy prospect guide at, at Dauber Prospects and Dauber Hockey. Um, I'm contributing to uh, Next Gen Hockey with Ryan Beach and Jeremy Davis. We've been just churning out profiles leading up to the draft here, and, and they've been uh, we've been working tirelessly, and I've been chipping in where I can. Uh, yeah, and uh, you can check out Prospect Central on Sportsnet 650. We air those on uh, Thursday nights. We'll be doing a live one uh, Friday at uh, noon in, in studios, so uh, with all the boys in town for draft week. So like Chris said, there'll be a, a lot of content churning out this next week here, and, and a lot of fun for readers and uh, listeners, so it should be good. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, have fun at the draft and keep up the awesome work. Awesome. Thanks, Alan. Thank you. As I wrap it up, I remind you that you can find the Cost for Pointcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you really enjoy it, you can rate review the podcast on those platforms, too. You can find me on Twitter at CudmoreCullen and the podcast on Twitter at CPPointcast, where we'll notify you of future episodes. Thank you so much for following along with the Draft of Bader series. I had a lot of fun recording it, and I hope you enjoyed listening. We'll be back with regular episodes soon, with Trevor returning for a post-draft episode. And so that's all for today, folks. Adios. Adios.